Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives. This is an up-close look at the students, faculty, and administrators who make your college unique. This weekly show shines a spotlight on the programs and people here at YCP. This week's host is Jeffrey Schiffman. And welcome to WVYC's Perspectives. And today we are going to be talking with an assistant professor of Business Administration and Cybersecurity, Tamara Schwartz. Uh, Tamara, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, let's uh, let's talk about your background a little bit. Uh, military, right? Uh, yes. Where'd you go to college? Uh, you said R- okay. R- R- ROTC, right? Yes, uh, Air Force ROTC. I went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in Troy, New York, north of Albany. Uh, graduated with an undergraduate degree in industrial engineering, and then I started in the Air Force as a program manager. And I had some extraordinary opportunities. Um, My last one, which ties into my being here as a cybersecurity professor, was working with the generals who were thinking about how do you go to war in cyberspace. And so we worked with the mass high-tech community in Silicon Valley, and we were thinking about what does it mean to go to war in cyberspace? What is cyberspace? What does it look like? some really weird questions. And so I got to meet some really smart people and lots of learning takes place when you're not the smartest person in the room and you're with lots of people who make you feel dumb. Uh, so so you really, that was not really your path. You didn't really think that, did you think that you would be in cybersecurity when you were in college? When I was in college, cybersecurity wasn't yeah, even a word in the yeah, vernacular. Well, yeah, well, that, 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 <laughs> Information assurance was only slightly beginning to be. Yeah, in. that's a problem for some of us old, uh, older ones. Uh, you know, the students now, they just think that it, 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 it's been around forever. But we, eh, it's not really been around forever. So, so you really weren't thinking that way. But it, it, your, certainly your military career led that. How long were you in the military? 20 years. Oh, okay. I'm a retired lieutenant colonel. Oh, okay. Do I have to salute? No, I won't make good. you. <laughs> That's really good because I probably would do it wrong. All right, let's t- let's talk about your area of expertise. Uh, you know, cybersecurity certainly is, is is it, but is that something? Well, that's something we should be paying attention to, I guess, is probably the, the the number one. And and the students that we're getting in here, all those students that are coming in, they're coming in with a knowledge base that's probably evolving too. Absolutely. Um, when so i remember the introduction of computers into my workspace i I remember that i was i was a first lieutenant and i worked for this woman who was a lieutenant colonel and when email was introduced (laughs) she used to print out every email she received then she would handwrite a response to it she would type the response back into the computer and then she would hit send and we've come so far from that um i i was the the brand new second lieutenant who was charged with learning how to use powerpoint I had a. I was the first person in the class to get a 456 Pentium processor on my desk, which was exciting to uh, to us as the young people consuming the technology. And we watched as computers went from being, you know, the second lieutenant who was young enough to learn how right, to use it, right. to being on everyone's desk. And I was describing to uh, my neighbor. She's 85. I was teaching her how to use her iPhone the other day. <laughs> Um, and I suggested to her that she try playing some video games on her device because that when we first introduced computers, we actually allowed people to play solitaire and Tetris and things at their desk. That's how I learned. And we and we encouraged it because it, it taught people how to use the human interface with the device. And nowadays, if you were playing Tetris on your desk, uh, your boss would be in there telling you, to <laughs> go find another job, right? right. 
We are talking with Tamara Schwartz. She is the Associate Professor of Business Administration and Cybersecurity here at uh, your college. So, so it, it's it's certainly a growing technology. We're, we're seeing, it, it, sometimes it seems to me that it's changing almost daily. Yeah. Does it feel that way? It does feel like that. That um, We talk about exponential change, and we're actually getting to a point in time where we're having combinatorial exponential change. And so what we mean when we use the word combinatorial exponential change is, um, I think you talk about this, Jeff, you talk about radio convergence. Yeah. So this is the idea of different technologies converging simultaneously at an exponential rate. And because we can barely keep up with the speed of change when it's exponential, when they hit one another and they, there's things we can't even begin to anticipate. For example, um, artificial intelligence. Right now, artificial intelligence is growing very, very rapidly. Um, we have a technology we call deep learning, which is when the algorithms begin to teach themselves. So that in and of itself is, is expanding exponentially in terms of speed. Uh, you combine that with, um, we have uh, microchips and there's a, there's a theory, Moore's law. Right. And Moore's law describes the fact that we double the number of circuits on a circuit board every, uh, when it was originally discovered, it was about every 18 months. Now it's actually a little faster than that. Um, but we're coming to the end of, of Moore's law. Uh, the Are we reason, really? The reason we're coming to the end of okay. Moore's Law is because there's, a, at some point, the laws of natural physics will no longer allow us to put more circuits on a circuit board. And so okay. there's this expansion into what we call quantum computing, which is based on quantum physics. Right. And when quantum computing becomes mainstreamed, it's going to accelerate the speed of computing power even faster. And so when quantum computing inter interacts with artificial intelligence, the speed at which it changes is going to be mind-numbing. And that's just one example of, are, of what we call combinatorial complexity. Are we losing uh, control here? Is technology <laughs> getting out in front of us, you know, in front of the human, you know, the human being? Are we getting to a point now where they're, you mentioned it, artificial, are we getting to a point where maybe we are losing a little bit of control? Well, first of all, control is an illusion, right? Well, yeah. I, I, okay. <laughs> but yes, I think that where we're getting to, uh, there's this uh, sci-fi concept called the singularity. Oh, yeah. The singularity is when you have artificial intelligence, information technology, biotech, and, um, oh, I'm missing one, cognitive, cognitive mm. technology, um, and they're going to converge and and so they're happening really quickly and there's these changes that we some people will tell you we're already at the singularity some people will tell you that it's on the horizon in the next 15 to 20 years maybe even sooner um because things are changing faster than we we've ever seen in the past and um and we're not sure what that means but it means things like uh all the data we're collecting so for example if you've ever sent your dna to ancestrydna.com um Ancestry, when you sell, when you when you give when you give them your DNA and you pay them for the privilege of giving them their DNA, <laughs> they then DNA, go sell it, right? They actually co-own it with you, and then when you die, they just continue to own it. Oh, and there's all right. That's there's, another reason I'm not going to do that. <laughs> there's actually the legalese, and it is frightening. But the legalese says that not only do they own your DNA, but um, your any of your offspring, any of your blood relatives they own their DNA as well, too. And so nobody can sue them if they use your data to sell it to an insurance company to 
identify pre-existing genetic markers for a disease that's expensive to cure. So that's one scary thing. Just the data privacy piece on that and the data rights piece on that is scary enough. Um, but we're getting to a place where we can bioengineer viruses. So let's say that you are a person who just doesn't like Lithuanians. You can buy a whole bunch of DNA from Ancestry.com and you can bioengineer a virus that would just target Lithuanians. 3D printing comes into this because you'll be able to print out that virus right, with a right. 3D printer. And we, we, don't, we don't anticipate this stuff because the complexity is, is just is that too much uh, is, that, is, is that part of the problem with how to regulate this sort of stuff? I mean, we, we would all say that that's not a good thing, that someone that doesn't like Lithuanians decides that they're going to make a, you know, a virus that's going to... Why are we not able to regulate it? There may be a lot of reasons for that, but is that part of the problem here too? That if an idea pops in somebody's head, well, nobody speculated that we could do that, you know, two years ago or five mm -hmm. years ago or, you know, whatever. Uh, is that part of our problem here with, with the, the quick it's, growth? It's absolutely a part of the problem. And it's, I'll give you a really simple example. There was an article in the New York Times a week or two ago called, Kid, it was about kidfluencers. And it was about parents who are creating YouTube channels right. for their children who are under the age of 13, even in, as, as early as in utero, well, yes, having $250,000 250, followers before you're even born. And so then companies are creating these $100,000, $400,000, $500,000 contra contracts with these children who are kidfluencers to um, play with Crayola crayons or, or Legos or some... And, and I'm not picking those companies on, on purpose. I'm just picking I wish I'd I know known about it. I, I got one that still does. And so the question is, no one has ever raised the question, is this violating child labor laws? Oh, because yeah. what we're talking about is exploitation of children. But it's their parents, so is it okay? We don't think to ask these questions. We don't think to ask, is it okay to put an Alexa in every hotel room in order to get rid of concierge services? Because we go, oh, everyone's got Alexas in their house. But an Alexa is a recording device, and there are laws against recording people without their consent. And then who owns the data once it's... Re and so there's all these implementation of technology for convenience that we don't think about the, the complexity that that creates in terms of public policy, in terms of who owns the data once it's stored, who should have access to the data once it's stored, who is responsible for protecting the data. Um, Data, data protection in terms of um, how it's assessed by NIST is that if you are hacked and you were not damaged by the loss of that data, then there's no, that's how they assess it, based on the impact to the company, not based on the impact to the person who the data describes and, and ultimately belongs to because it doesn't, you've given it away. And, and this whole digital footprint that we have, I, I like to say that we're becoming very cyborg and we don't even realize that we're looking in the mirror and seeing humans and, and we've been assimilated. <laughs> All right, let, let's talk about what, we're teach, what, what you're teaching students here at your college. What are the, you know, a student that comes in, uh, a lot of these kids obviously have a, a supreme interest in computers and, and that sort of thing. But what's one of the areas that you're kind of focusing on? So where we're trying to take the cybersecurity program is very much into the human realm because it is not a technology problem. It's a problem of competitive advantage. Um, 
things change too fast technologically for it to just be a technical problem. And in fact, much of the technical technical part has been solved. Um, the the ultimate hack is is implementing is influencing how you make decisions. So things like fake news, using Twitter bots sure. to to send out fake news. Um, changing data in a, a, so let's talk about nursing a medical record we've gone to all electronic medical records if i wanted to um, hurt somebody i could change their records to eliminate the fact that they're allergic to penicillin and now a nurse goes in and, and inadvertently gives them penicillin because their record says that that's okay to do and so this idea of defending data is becoming more and more critical because we are becoming more and more digital and so where we're trying to take the cybersecurity program is beginning to um, address that whole human element. How do you look at competitive advantage? How do you begin to anticipate what kinds of threats can exist and what kinds of things people might like to use cyber to do? Because any of these tools that we have are not just tools for us. They're tools for anybody else who knows how to gain access to them. Kind of scary. Do, do you... <laughs> Do you sit in your office uh, some days and go, man, this is not real good? <laughs> I all do the that time. all the time. <laughs> yeah. In you fact, know, I'm going to become Amish. I just haven't figured really, out when. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes knowledge is a bad thing, right? Um, to to uh, anybody that's listening to them, now that we've frightened the heck out of them, anybody that's listening to them, what's the? Uh, there's got to be a good side to this. I mean, I know that we talked about all the data, but we talked about like the medical data. Well, if you, you know, are injured, let's say you live in York and you have a accident while you're on vacation somewhere, your information is quickly. So there are good sides to it as there, well. With technology, there's always a good side. And in fact, that's one of the most um, biggest challenges, right? There's always an upside to the technology. And what basically we're trying to get at, and um, my research area I call it the cyber-based view of the firm, is just trying to create tools so organizations understand that when they add a tool that creates capability, they have to understand that there's also the possibility that it can be used by someone else for some other purpose. And that purpose may be nefarious, it may not hurt you, it may, not, may hurt someone else, you never know. Um, but it's important to just begin to understand what kinds of choices we're making. And because cyber has always been seen as a permissive environment, and permissive is a military term for safe and, and not, not having people contesting with you in contest with you for power, um, we've made a lot, of, a lot of decisions to hook everything up. And now we're beginning to see that that creates some challenges for us um, in terms of, of threat. And, and that's just part of it. But it's, the reason we have all these things is because 3D printing, it, from a medical perspective, has some phenomenal capabilities. Um, prosthetic legs. Uh, there's this really great podcast that I listened to a number of years ago about a company called Bespoke Innovations. And they were talking about a man who they had... Um, scanned his good leg and created a 3D printed version for his right leg. And he was a soccer player and he hadn't been able to play soccer with his titanium pipe because if someone kicked him, it would hurt them. And so he went out on the field with his new plastic leg that was printed on the 3D printer. And then something really amazing happened. He, his brain began to remap as if his leg was there. Wow. And he had not anticipated that. And so those are extraordinary things. And technology does amazing, wonderful things, too. It optimizes our experience at Disney World by wearing that magic band. Sure. 
So there's there's good and bad, right? Everything it's all a trade off. Right, everything. It's all a trade off. We could probably spend an hour uh, on do this, or maybe a whole semester, or something like that. But Tamara Schwartz, uh, thank you very much. Uh, your assistant professor of business administration and cybersecurity here at the the Graham School of Business at your college. Uh, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, and I hope to see some more students over in the uh, Graham School. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for WVYC's Perspectives. The program airs weekly on Mondays and Fridays at 9 o'clock. Public Affairs program is also available as a podcast at wvyc.podbean.com. Jeffrey Schiffman serves as the Executive Director of Perspectives. We hope you join us again for this in-depth look at the York College community.